Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up and welcome back to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the amazing Laura Kate Dale. Hey, I'm back. I'm here again. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Now, for those that don't remember, Laura's just out here writing books left and right. Of course, things I learned from Mario's butt. She helped make me a published author. <laughs> I'm, I'm... Here I am. I'm still very happy that this is a thing that exists in the world. Thank you for writing about that ass. <laughs> yes, I had to write about Crash Bandicoot's ass, of course, of course. But you wrote this book. You put it out a couple months ago. People can get it on Amazon, all the bookstores, yeah. all that stuff, correct? Yeah, it's it's available in all the book places. Just search things I learned from Mario's butt and you'll find a book about butts that's got, it's got Greg, it's got Tim in it, it's got a bunch of other people. A lot of butt reviews. <laughs> a lot of butt reviews. You'll love to see it. But... Butts aren't all that you wanted to talk about. You wrote a new book and you hit me up. You're like, Tim, if you have any spots on Games Daily, I'd love to come back. And I'm like, Laura, of course, you are welcome anytime. Tell us about the book. Where can people get it? What's the situation? I'm currently writing my first novel. I'm writing it with my wife. It is a novel called Who Hunts the Whale? Uh, it is set in a fictional AAA video game developer company. Um, you know, the kind that puts in way too many microtransactions into everything and maybe doesn't treat its employees the best. Uh, and it follows a year in the life of someone working within this terrible video game company, trying to work out what to do in the face of very poor business practices. Um, as I said, it's called Who Hunts the Whale? It is currently up for pre-order on Unbound. Uh, we're hoping to have it out by about this time next year. But I'd love it if people gave it a look. It is... My first time writing fiction, and I'm having a really good time with it. We just finished our first draft of the book, and I couldn't be prouder of it. There we go. I love it. We'll put a link in the description uh, to get that. Laura, I need to say I'm a big fan of the color blue, so I'm loving the hair, loving the pop of the eyes. That's <laughs> second best baby blues in San Francisco and over there. We got the number one baby blues. You're in London, right? Yeah, I'm in London. <laughs> Number one baby blues in London. You'll love to see it because this is kind of funny games daily where each and every weekday we get together to talk about video game news and everything that you need to know in the video game scene. You can watch live each and every weekday at 10 a.m. right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. And if you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kind of slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games, roosterteeth.com or podcast services around the globe just search for kind of funny games daily and we'll be right there for you uh if you wanted to get the show ad free and if you wanted the exclusive post show that we record you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and uh i want to shout out our patreon producers prank c and blackjack for doing just that if you don't have the dollars to toss our way that is absolutely cool you 
can support us by using our Epic Creator Code. Kind of funny anytime you're buying anything on the Epic Game Store, including Back for Blood that's out today. We're doing a stream later, but we'll talk about that all later. Um, some fun stuff in case you missed it. Barrett Courtney has been working very, very hard along with Roger Picorni on The Arkham Files, a four-part weekly series uh, diving into all of the Batman Arkham games and what makes each one of them special. Episode one just went live over on youtube.com slash games. So go show that some love. And if you like short form content like that, it's a great week for you here at Kind of Funny because later on Thursday, you're getting the new episode of The Blessing Show. I'm very, very excited for all of that. Uh, today, right after Games Daily, we're going to be doing our Scream trailer reaction. But after that, we're partnering with NVIDIA GeForce as Andy, Mike, and Nick will be playing Back for Blood, showing off DLSS and all that. RTX goodness. Can't wait to see that. It's going to look amazing today we're brought to you by purple mattress demon slayer and raycon but we'll tell you about that later for now let's begin with what is and forever will be the roper report it's time for some news we have like four stories today uh baker's dozen so there it's, you it's, go it's a weird news day today it is it we, is a we... common theme <laughs> Yeah, there's not much news, but it's all very on topic. Yeah, yeah. It's So here's the deal, just so everybody knows what they're getting into this episode. It's a, a fairly slow news day in, in the video game world, but it's a very active news day in the world of video game entertainment, uh, video game TV shows, video game movies, all this stuff. So we're going to be talking about all of that from many different angles. But starting with what I think is the most exciting thing of the bunch, G4 is officially relaunching on November 16th, 2021. There's a fun little teaser trailer they put out. It's 50 seconds long. Kevin, if you could bring it up, I'd like to watch it with Laura here. Two seconds, though. Your dang playboy. Turn that off. Turn that back on. All right, excellent. You good to go? It's been a mind-blowing year of innovative gaming products. Oh, the, Xbox the premium practicality of the Xbox fridge. <laughs> New consoles as hot as a vat of frying oil. The limited edition PS5 that we found online for super cheap. And the latest OLED model of that thing we already have. <laughs> but there's one big announcement that gamers have been asking for because we've been stringing them along for freaking ever. The launch of G4. That's right, November 16th, 2021. There, we said it, it's happening. We're committed for realsies. Let's go. See you there. It's been a so, mind blow. Fun thing about this, uh, our good friend Sean Finnegan actually directed that trailer. I didn't know that until it popped up <laughs> on my, my Twitter, so that's pretty cool. And our friends Ismahawk oh. shot it, so... Keeping it in the family, that's kind of fun. Uh, Laura, have you watched any G4? Are you into this? Are you excited at all? I'm excited for this. I always thought that G4 was an amazing concept that maybe was a little bit ahead of its time. Um, like, I feel like if you look at something like G4, it's a much easier proposition today when we've got things like esports that you can fill a lot of time slots with. It was always very ambitious to go, we're going to have a whole channel dedicated to this. And they had some great stuff. It's just, I'm, I'm glad to see them giving it another crack. 
Yeah, so uh, some of the, the info here, G4 has returned. They announced their uh, return a couple years ago, I think two years ago at this point. And um, over the last the summer, they kind of did the before G4 thing where they had their YouTube channels. They're kind of announcing all their different, their host lineup and, and some shows that they're doing. But there's been a lot of question of like, is it going to be on TV? What's this going to look like? So we got a little more clarification. Although if I'm being honest, still not enough clarification where I'm still like questioning like, what exactly is this going to be? But we won't have to wait long because G4, the content studio and network that unites creators and fandoms, announced today that the network will officially return to consumers on linear TV and through streaming services on November 16th, 2021. Upon launch, G4 will debut linearly on the channel lineups of Verizon Fios, Cox, and Xfinity TV. The network will also stream on Filio and collaborate with Twitch on a multi-year promotional and commercial partnership through G4's official Twitch channel. They'll also continue to create channel-specific content across its social media platforms and YouTube makes sense in the modern day. Uh, G4 programming will be produced and delivered through a first of its kind 24 seven broadcast studio featuring a collaborative workplace and professional esports and gaming environment designed by global architectural firm Populous. The studio is located in Burbank, California. Uh, other design projects from Populous include Yankee Stadium, Red Bull HQ and esports stadium Arlington. I'm going to stop there. I'm really excited about this. I'm a nerd when it comes to production facilities and all that stuff. Seeing what 100 Thieves have done with their 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 uh, the cash compound down in LA has been very very transformative for what the industry is capable of. G4 being the biggest, it was TV. It was kind of like you know the standard in terms of like what video game talk shows and and things like that could look like. I really am excited to see what they're going to bring in in 2021. Of the things you were saying there, like the thing that I think feels most like important and and today is their partnership with Twitch. Like, as exciting as it is to see G4 back on TV and the concept of like a, a TV channel for that is, I feel like Twitch is where a lot of people watch their stuff now. It ensures a degree of worldwide accessibility to the content. Um, that's really nice to see. Um, I'm very curious how much of their content is going to be deliberately authored created content versus like they've mentioned esports a few places in this news story and i have my gut says that that's going to be padding out the runtime if they're running 24 hours of content it's either not all going to be new content or it's going to be a lot of content that can be produced as it's airing and i feel like live streamed esportsy type content is going to be very good for that yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting to to see them coming back. And I know a lot of people over there on the team, very talented people that have great vision. And so far, it kind of seems like they're making all the right calls of bringing back what worked from before, what people love from before, while addressing and fixing a lot of the many, many huge issues uh, that ran rampant with how G4 was run, how it was presented, the diversity, like all of that stuff. It seems like they're really yeah. kind of going back to the core and making a, a new G4 that is like for a, mm. a new new world, which I'm very excited to see. Um, but with with this, I just I wonder if the world is even ready yet for this type of hybrid. It's on TV. It's on the Internet. Like. Does that splinter it? Does it stretch it too thin that it doesn't make it worth it in the long run? We saw recently Ven TV start, um, and and that is gone now. <laughs> so it's like that didn't even last a year, um, and that was yeah. probably the most ambitious thing uh, since G4. Um, so what's interesting to me is with the level of production they're going to have to put in the shows. I mean, look, we know 
like firsthand what needs to go into making these shows. And even when we were at IGN, which had as much resources as you're going to get for uh, this type of video production, when we did up at noon with Greg, like that was an all hands on deck every week. So many people working together to create whatever that was. So to imagine G4 having to do this like weekly to make this prestige content and padding out that much time, I'm interested. My, my gut feeling is that they it feels very specific that they said that it's a, a, a multi-year partnership with Twitch. They have not said indefinitely this is going on with Twitch. And a bit of me wonders, are they doing this on Twitch maybe as well as TV to get people engaged with the content, to get people invested, so that maybe, let's say, two years down the line they go, hey, we're no longer broadcasting it on Twitch, but you can check it out on the TV channel, those shows you've spent two years getting invested in. I hope not. And I hope that it's I... actually working the other way. Go for it. Yeah. You reckon the TV to push to the Twitch? Yeah. Like, I, I think that, you know, for as long as I've been in this industry now, there's been this push of like, let's make TV quality content on the internet. And that doesn't work because you need to make internet content on the internet. And then there's been the rush the other way now of let's take internet content and put it on TV. And that doesn't work because TV people aren't looking for it. Right. I'm... Yeah, and that's the thing. I I don't know if I think you're right, but I would like that to be the case. Because like, looking at the list of the, the the programs that are being brought back, some of them I don't know whether they feel like they fit TV anymore. Some of these like you know multi year old at this point um, concepts, very internet ready. Like a lot of them are very people on the internet will love these shows. TV, I don't know whether it's gonna be where it needs to be, and I I really hope that you know twitch supports it and ends up finding a home there because i don't know yeah. how how much tv is going to support that i mean that's that's what i think is most interesting about this entire concept is mm. that it, from the top it sounds like g4 is not trying to think of themselves just as a tv channel but a tv channel and twitch channel and all that yeah. stuff and they're going to design programming that way. And what i think you you touched on this a little bit earlier but it's the ex uh, accessibility factor of mm. Like I grew up not being able to watch G4 because I didn't have that cable. Like I, so it yeah. was always something that I'd had to watch at friends' houses, and I was always into it because I was so into the idea of high production value video game content. Uh, but I just couldn't watch it. Now it being on Twitch, that kind of allows it to be available to everybody, and it, it very much opens the playing field for that high mm. level of content to be enjoyed by anybody and that's kind of that gateway drug into getting them to yeah. want to expect more from others you know and the the other thing i think is important to this whole discussion is that a lot of the people who would have been watching g4 when it was on tv previously a lot of them have been cord cutters since like i think a lot of people who would be interested in a channel like that are also really like big early adopters in not paying for cable and moving to internet services and i feel like if the only way to watch G4 is going to be through an inter uh, through a TV package. I think a lot of people who'd be into it won't touch it. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's like that's the the I'm very interested in the business strategy of trying to make sure that it works both as a TV channel, whatever that means in 2021, and as a internet channel like we would like ourselves or like other people. Cuz what's interesting is the linear TV of you're just watching TV and you have to be here at this time to watch it. That's one factor, but there's still the idea of the linear TV that is just a little bit more on demand where it's like, cool, your, your Apple TV or your yeah. Chromecast or your shield or whatever it is, your devices, even your TVs at this point have apps for things like rooster mm -hmm. teeth or like things like G4, you got to imagine will have that. And like the blend between 
TV and internet, it every day gets like mm. more and more kind of like a gray area. But I do think it's the production value and it's the level of commitment that that is that defining factor. And we just simply haven't seen something like this in a very long time. And every time we do see it, it ends up not working. So I think that if anyone could make it work, it's the team over at G4. But I'm excited to see. I want to go into a little bit of the, uh, the actual shows they're bringing back here. G4's programming slate at launch will include a wide range of content, including new editions of beloved legacy G4 shows, exclusive content, top interviews, and more, including Attack of the Show. The original Geek Culture Variety Show returns with Kevin Pereira as host and a brand new cavalcade of misfits. Uh, we all know what Attack of the Show is. X-Play uh, is back as well. The ultimate video game review show returns as a digital-first content brand that balances an authoritative loudmouth confidence with the absurdity of public access comedy sketch show. Uh, we got Boosted. Boosted's a weekly esports comedy series for curious gamers and esports fanatics alike. Uh, and then here's a big one that is kind of a meme joke, but makes a lot of sense ninja warrior uh the quest to, to summit the mountain returns as g4 attains the exclusive linear broadcasting rights to sasuke better known as ninja warrior in the united states uh g4 will air all 167 episodes of the legendary competition series that pits heroes pits heroic athletes of all types from pro gymnasts to fishermen to comedians against a four-stage formidable and or possible impossible obstacle course uh so that's it's kind of fun because that's such a, a legacy thing to what people remember from g4 in between their actual premiere content yeah and i think like th those episodes are going to be running a lot i would guess i, yeah. I think i think there's going to yeah. be some late night slots filled with just constant reruns of that but i think that's fine it, it people will get that yeah um, and then on top of that, ESL Gaming. G4 has partnered with ESL Gaming, the world's leading esports and gaming lifestyle company, to produce and broadcast several primetime esports programs, a first for ESL Gaming in the US and Canada. Uh, and then Dungeons & Dragons Limited Series. This is kind of interesting. This is like the kind of celebrity poll mainstream stuff that only someone like G4 can do. Coming off the immense success of D&D Live 2021, featuring notable celebrities like Jack Black, Tiffany Haddish, Kevin Smith and Dr. Lupo G4 will continue its partnership with Wizards of the Coast, ah, Wizards of the Coast, with an all-new limited run series to premiere on G4 this fall. Um, and then joining G4 for its official launch is a crazy list of hosts. Uh, so many of our very good friends, including uh, G4 host Kevin Pereira and Adam Sessler, esports personality Golden Boy. Hell yeah. Uh, Avali May and Froskarin, WWE superstar Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin Creed, a.k.a. The Commish. You'll love to see it. Uh, YouTube personalities, Kasim G and Gerard, the completionist, which is very, very exciting. I love that so many of our friends are part of this thing. Uh, Gina Darling, Fiona Nova, Will Neff, uh, and a degenerate rat puppet named Ratty. I'm sure that's an in-joke that I am just not in on. Uh, but yeah, what do, what do you think? It's nice to see a lot of the old shows returning. I'm glad to see Sessler back in particular. Like it wouldn't have felt like a return to G4 without without him. Um, of the the new looking stuff on here, Boosted is the one that I'm kind of intrigued by. Um, like may maybe this is just what I'm reading into the description of it, but it sounds like it's uh like, hey, do you want to get into esports? but you're not very good, and we're gonna have a bit of a laugh with you, not at you, as you learn how to get better at stuff. That's a really nice tone for a for a show, and it's something that like I'm really interested to see given a big spotlight, because obviously that community is so often very, very, you're not perfect straight away, you're terrible, go away. It's 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that the, the one nut that has still not been cracked by anybody is one site, one team or set of teams that can equally produce content for an audience that wants game news, game content, comedy stuff, entertainment style stuff, and esports. And yeah. it seems like they are trying to reach both of those audiences. And at that point, even then, both audiences, I think, are splintered down. So, yeah. again, if anybody could do it, it would be them. But I still have my reserves about reservations about is this yeah. going to work? Because I don't know that these are the things that are going to answer that question. But I will yeah. say this cast does speak to a lot of different voices and they, they have the expertise there. They've, they've got a lot of very good people involved in this, and I have no doubt that the individual pieces of content they are going to make will be fantastic. But I, I think, as you said, the question is whether you can get someone... Whether you can make this a channel that someone wants to watch all of the programming they have on there, rather than being like, I'm going to watch this and then stop because you're doing the stuff I don't, I'm not interested in now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the, the thing when you talk about TV. There is a whole different level of marketing uh, and kind of just... Uh, sequencing of shows mm. to kind of get people that are interested in one thing to keep watching into the, the next so that yeah. they're still interested. Whereas with the internet, it is a little, a little bit more like, hey, there's a bunch of stuff. Go watch that if you want or go watch this, whatever feels yeah. best to you. But again, I think that's why Boosted drew my attention in this list is the idea of something that goes, hey, maybe esports isn't so inaccessible and we can have a bit of fun as, as we learn to engage with it might be a good way to get people who are just interested in reviews into engaging with esports content. Like, those bits of bridging content do seem to be there. Yeah. I am very, very, very excited to see this November 16th. I hope their shit is super, super dope. Uh, here's rooting for you guys. Congratulations. But moving on to story number two, sticking with the entertainment video game news here. Epic Games is reportedly considering making a Fortnite movie. This comes from Adele Anchors at IGN. A report from the information claims that discussions have already taken place over the prospect of a Fortnite film adaptation. Those talks have also reportedly formed part of a broader conversation at Epic about the possibility of launching an entertainment division focused on scripted video programming as a way to diversify the studio's brands. Epic is now seemingly in search of new ways to grow its library of game franchises as more and more gaming studios turn to filmmaking in a bid to boost revenues. The report notes that three former Lucasfilm employees have joined Epic Games this year, including Epic's new president of special projects, Jason McGatlin. He previously served as the vice president of physical production at Lucasfilm and was executive producer of all the Star Wars films released by Disney. In recent years, Fortnite has doubled up as a virtual platform to host film screenings and musical performances, with three Christopher Nolan films being screened for free at Party Royale's big screen last year. Nolan also collaborated with Epic Games' popular Battle Royale shooter to debut the new Tenet trailer on the platform in the lead-up to the films released. Laura, what do you think about this? I think this was always going to be coming. Fortnite has been such a big explosion of a brand so quickly that, like, Epic's the kind of company that wants to get get more products going where they can. Um, I think it makes sense for Fortnite more than it perhaps does for a lot of other video games that get ported to movies, because, like, Epic have done a fantastic job, I will say, in taking an online multiplayer shooter and giving it a plot that people cared about and through lines of narrative and have kept people narratively engaged with an online shooter in a way that I don't know any other company that has. And I'm like, you've got a lot of people who care about the world building you've done and you're apparently very good at putting plot into things that 
typically don't. I can see them making that work. Yeah. It's interesting where I'm right there with you where this is an inevitability. Fortnite is one yeah. of the biggest brands on the, the, the planet. And I think that it speaks so loudly to younger kids, especially. And I think the yeah. idea of giving those young kids like more content to consume and more things to be obsessed with uh, makes a lot of sense. Whether that's a movie or like an animated series yeah. on Netflix or something, I think, or both, you know. Yeah. Um, but this this has always been a thing where there's the there's differences between the video game IP that are turned into movies that. Yeah seem like i feel like there's like three different um categories one mm -hmm. category is filmmakers that know nothing about the games they don't care yeah. they're just like <laughs> we see an ip here and we feel like we can make some money there's a story we can yeah. tell there's that then there's the category of the people that are like we genuinely care about the game and we really want this to work but they those are the ones that tend to not have the right budget the right team the right elements to to make it all happen and then there's this third one that's kind of just like well the IP itself doesn't necessarily lend to a movie, but if we just add a couple celebrity factors to this, like it kind of sells itself. And I think that this reminds me more of the Angry Birds movie from a couple years ago, right? Yeah, like I here's the thing. I don't doubt this will be stunt casted to high heavens. Like it's gonna mm -hmm. be entirely entirely celebrity cast. I imagine it's probably gonna be a comedy. It's probably gonna be fairly low effort, but I think that, at the very least, I think that Epic knows they can convince people to turn out and see this, because, like, the number of people who, when a new season of Fortnite starts, will come in to watch a narrative changeover between seasons says that, like, there are people that are invested in seeing what they do narratively, and they probably don't need to make too much of an effort to get people to go to the cinema for that. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting, too, it being Epic. Like, I wonder... I mean, they've they've kind of proven that, especially with the Fortnite brand, like they care and they get it. And they're constantly changing and yeah. adapting. I think the most interesting element of Fortnite to people like me is the kind of crossover events and getting other IP involved. I doubt that would be the direction that the movie goes, but there is this obsession in Hollywood of, you know, things like Ready Player One or Space Jam of just kind of like IP orgies. I'm I'm the opposite to you. I That's the thing I fear, because I fear this just becoming cameos for cameos sake that disrupt any chance of this having a coherent plot, because like, I, I think about the Emoji movie. That was a film that two thirds of which was let's product placement jump between as many brands as we can, and it made that film unwatchable. I could see Fortnite going the same way, like, oh, we've got to go have a little Rick and Morty tie-in because we've got that character in the game. Oh, we've got to go over to this world now. And I could see I could see that going badly. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is as an outsider to Fortnite, like, I've said for years that I thought that there would be a animated show by now already. And so much of that is, like, the fact that there's not a like main character that I can think of for Fortnite, like just the one main avatar, like there's certain things that are. I think um, there's a character called Jonesy who I think yeah, is meant to be the, yeah. the the main generic blonde man. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting that like, like I, yeah. are kids attached to that character though? I mean, maybe I, they are. I don't know. I mean, he shows up in all of the narrative stuff between seasons. I don't know whether that means people are invested in him. I don't know enough about what kids think of Fortnite to know whether they actually care <laughs> about that character or if they're just uh, there to, I don't know, play as, as Thanos, who I don't think yeah. you've been able to play as for a long time. Kevin, uh, you are definitely the, the biggest Fortnite player that I know. Mm, uh, mm, what, mm. what would you want from a Fortnite movie? 
Or um, let me start there. I, what would you want? And is there anything that would make you actually interested? I, I, there's zero percent chance. Like, I do not play Fortnite for the story aspect of it. It's the being a hangout with my buddies and, uh, you know, just. You, you're like, not there you know, for the someone got pulled through a portal for some not reason. At all. That's not what no, you're there for. No. And in fact, like I've missed like the like I watched two event two of those big events and then I mm -hmm. missed the last one. And, and and like both times I was like, this is like just disappointing and like I, I'm no longer letting myself get excited for these events. So mm -hmm. I yeah, it's I, this is definitely like for younger audiences, I would, I would guess. Mm, mm. Yeah. Well, the younger audiences eat this shit up. So I don't We'll see. We'll see where this goes. I, I think that this is an inevitability that will happen. Um, especially as we see Epic kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger and try to figure out more ways to make more money. Like, yeah, Thanks. films are a good way to do that, especially with the modern era of streaming and stuff. A lot of money, a lot of money to yeah. be able to what? sell out to. Whether it turns out good or not, there is too much money on the table with that brand. It will get pushed through. It'll happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to story number three, that is kind of the opposite of what you just said. Sable and other games from publisher Raw Fury to be adapted for film and TV. This comes from Adam Bankhurst at IGN. Uh, Raw Fury and production company DJ2 Entertainment have officially partnered up to adapt the video games Sable, Nightcall, and Mosaic for film and television. Uh, we're looking at Sable right now. This is uh, the game that came out recently. People are really loving it. Beautiful art style. Very unique Absolutely. look to it. Um, the idea of this being an animated show could be very interesting. As reported by GamesIndustry.biz, this first look partnership will also include the option to adapt Out of the Blue's Call of the Sea, Long Hat House's Dendara, which is a very great game on the Switch that I played, mm -hmm. uh, Layman Studios, The Signifier, and Geography of Robots, Norco. DJ Entertainment's previously worked on 2020's Sonic the Hedgehog film and is currently working on a few other TV adaptations, including Life is Strange, Disco Elysium, My Friend Pedro, and Tomb Raider. Quote, there's so much to love about working with the Raw Fury team, including the team's incredible taste for some of the most unique, beautiful, and innovative games today. Having access to Raw Fury's incredible slate allows DJ2 to begin developing adaptations even before a game is released, setting a jump on the market as well as allowing for more synergy between the different media. Uh, right now we're looking at uh, Krillbyte Studios Mosaic, which focuses on a person who is living a bleak and repetitive life in a cold, systematic city. Every day of this person's life is the same and feels as though it has no meaning, but that all changes when strange things start to occur occur uh, and then earlier the other one we were looking at is black muffins night call an investigative noir game that tasks players with not only solving a murder mystery but also with making enough money to pay their bills so this is kind of interesting it's smaller titles not necessarily things with ip that have the type of brand recognition of a Fortnite uh to be turned into a movie or tv show what's your take on this um all three of these really interesting narratively driven uh, games that I think could be very well adapted to being non-interactive. Um, I think the only one of the three that would suffer a little bit from the transition to film is Night Shift, which is a mystery that involves a lot of narrative choices and a little bit of that's going to be lost in translation. Um, but they're all really, really interesting uh, games that I would be fantastic to see. I'd, I'd be very excited to see adapted. The big thing I have in my mind is I really hope these adaptations are animated because all three of these games have superb art styles that I don't know how you would capture in, in live action. And I really hope that the budget exists to recreate these for full-length films. 
Yeah, you know, it, it, you bring up a good point. It's interesting, even with the the rest of the games they they named your Call of the Sea and Tantara and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like those also have that that look. Even my friend Pedro, it's like that's yeah. that's interesting. Um, but yeah, TV adaptations for these, it's like you. I would imagine that the majority of them, at least, would be animated. I, I could see them wanting yeah. to make um, Night Call. Like I can see that I noir could, style. Night Call, I could see yeah being live action. But Sable would really lose something i think in that translation uh same for mosaic like just because the the looks are such a distinctive part of them yeah um williams uh, 109 in the chat says there's a close to zero percent chance i'll remember about these slash want to watch them that is a very interesting point that i i feel like that's kind of where we're at with with all the news stories we've been talking about today it's different variations and forms of video games as entertainment and kind of transcending mediums to yeah. a different style and I don't know that we're there yet. I mean, we clearly aren't there yet because yeah. we've seen very few successful uh, versions, I, I think, or at least successful in terms of like mm. many, many different avenues of types of people getting what they want out of it. Some make a lot of money, yeah. but don't really uh, please the fans. Some please the fans, but don't please the mainstream. Like there's a lot of elements there. I do think that there have been steps towards something good. Like Detective Pikachu was fun. Suck the Hedgehog was fun. Uh, like I even enjoyed Free Guy for what it was. I, I think consistency is the issue. I think that video game to movie adaptations are still so inconsistent on the whole that even with the biggest possible brands that you love as much as possible, it's hard to get excited about a movie adaptation until it drops because even if it's a brand, like a game that you absolutely love and would love to see as a film, you don't know whether it's just going to absolutely fall on its face when trying to adapt it. Yeah. Totally. And I, I do think that there have been very successful adaptations in on the smaller scale with things like Castlevania, even the yeah. animated series on Netflix. Like that is it's incredible. It's awesome. And yeah. it kind of it that is an exception to the rule I was saying where it checks a lot of the boxes where it's doing very well for Netflix. It is critically acclaimed by both new viewers and fans of the series. So that, though, is Castlevania, one of the longest running video game franchises of all time. What does that translate to, no matter how good the quality yeah. of the show is, to something like Sable? Yeah, and I think a big part of that is that that's a very loose adaptation of the source material, whereas I think with an indie game that only has a single entry and hasn't been rebooted or reimagined over the decades, it's a lot harder to do a big reimagining. Also, a lot of these are like a couple of people's pet patch, a passion project, and are they going to be willing to let a studio make big sweeping changes to make it work for film? That's always a bigger question. I'm yeah. tentatively excited, but I will wait until these are out before I get too excited. Um, yeah, I think that a, a major problem that a lot of these things are going to face is what makes it necessary to exist in that medium yeah. as opposed to just being interactive and being what a, what a mm. video game is and allows you to do. And I think that there are certain... Uh, examples of things that can work that are so good yeah. of the concept that they can work and have their own unique identifying features as a movie or as a game to make both be able to work side by side. I'm expecting Last of Us to be an example of that on, on HBO yeah. next year. Um, but then you look at some some of the other things and it's like they're them talking about Life is Strange, which is also in the works. Life is Strange could function without the interactive elements as a very good CW style show. Yes, but you know what one I don't think can work that way? Disco Elysium. I don't think Disco Elysium works adapted to a non-interactive medium because the entire point of it is that it is the closest to um, a a live action role-playing game we've ever had in video games. It is entirely about making 
very granular choices about who this main character is and how they go on their journey. And I feel like so much of what makes Disco Elysium amazing is going to be lost. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's it's really interesting. So Jimmy Nono, or sorry, Johnny Nono writes in and says, what games would you be most interested in becoming TV shows? We've talked a lot on the show about like what games you want to be movies or whatever. But does anything come to mind for you, Laura, of some show that you would love mm-hmm. to see? I still love the idea of getting something like a, a Legend of Zelda TV show. And I know that that's a really easy answer to give. Um, it's been floated around as a movie idea for years, and I don't... I don't think that necessarily works as a film, but I love the idea of giving a, you know, big grand adventure like that room to breathe, giving it a proper good, like, runtime. That's the first thing that jumped to mind. Have you got anything you're thinking of? That's a great one. And honestly, I, I agree with you that I don't think Zelda could work as a movie. I think, if anything, the, the runtime alone would allow for a couple fun callbacks and epic moments and like cool music cues. But it would be very shallow and not really get to the core of what makes Zelda the experience special. Um, but I do think that a, a, an animated show specifically, like give it some Studio Ghibli style um, to it and then really make it about the adventure, really make it about like what makes Zelda special could be very mm. cool. Oh, I did just have one other thought. I would love the thought of a Dark Souls show that was very focused on not your main hero, but someone trying to survive in this very, like, not not trying to follow, like, here is Big Hero just doing boss fights, but more of, like, what is it like to exist in that sort of world and setting day to day could be interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, the one that's going around, like everyone's talking about now, and I feel like this, it comes up every time uh, Metroid is in the zeitgeist, yeah. which unfortunately is a very rare thing, but I'm happy it is now. <laughs> An animated Metroid series. Like, I don't need it to be long. I Like, it could be six episodes on the yeah. shorter side. I would actually love if there, just like the games, was very little dialogue. Like, I want it to be Samus alone. I want it to be very atmospheric and, like, kind of what makes the game special, but strip mm. the gameplay elements out of it, but still really kind of rely on that loneliness and that like, kind of, like, uh, almost desperation, but then have that moment where the desperation turns into badassery. <laughs> mm, agreed. I, I like the idea of a show that it'll never happen, but I love the thought of a show that's confident enough to have long, long gaps of no one speaking and just uh, tone-based stuff. Yeah, totally. Very, very cool. Uh, The last entertainment movie news story I want to add here, it's not so much a whole new story, it's just a slight update. Um, Last week, we did a trailer reaction to the new Resident Evil movie, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, and my, oh my lord, did you see that trailer? Yes, I did. Yeah, and it, it is what it is, and what it is yeah. is, is not good, uh, but I am excited for it, uh, for the just the ideas of them being so, so true to the source material, but guess what? When you take a B-movie plot in a video game and apply it to an actual movie with the budget of a D-movie, this is what we're about to get here. Yeah. Having said that, having said that, the European trailer came out. Yes. And it is a market improvement over I, the, the American trailer. I'm going to be honest. I wasn't super excited by the, the American trailer. And then I saw the European one. I'm like, okay, I'm on board now. This seems yeah. this seems like the right kind of train wreck. And I'm here for it. Exactly, exactly. Again, I don't think the trailer fixes the problems of the other one. Oh. The CG is still horrible. Uh, and, you know, some of the plot elements seem very, very weird. Um, and there's just a, a kind of cheesy cosplay element to the <laughs> whole thing. But 
I there's a lot more fun to be had in this one, so I, I recommend you guys go go check it out. <laughs> uh, before we move on to our fourth story, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Purple Mattress. Picture this, you're in bed ready for a good night's sleep. It's hot, you're sweaty, your neighbors are causing a ruckus. So are the cicadas who emerge from the ground after 17 years of getting ready to mate, scream, and die. Sounds peaceful, right? Wrong, unless you add a purple mattress into that equation. That's because only purple mattresses have the grid, a fancy ventilated design that lets air flow through to keep you cool. It's also super comfy supporting your back and legs, but cushioning you in all the right places. I can attest to this. I absolutely love uh, the purple, the grid pillow that I have, and it is so perfectly cool. I never need to flip it because it's both sides. It's always cool. It's always making me feel good. Purple is comfort reinvented. Right now, you you can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. You go to purple.com slash kind of funny 10. Use the promo code kind of funny 10. That's purple.com slash kind of funny 10. Promo code kind of funny 10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash kind of funny 10. Promo code kind of funny 10. Next up, let's talk about Demon Slayer. It's time to become the blade that destroys demons in Demon Slayer, Kometsu no Yaiba, the Hinokami Chronicles, launching on October 15th on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox, and Steam. Tanjiro comes home to find his family brutally murdered and his sister, Nezuko, transformed into a demon. So, Tanjiro does what anyone would do, vow to become a demon slayer to restore his sister's humanity and kill the demon that massacred his family. Duh. Based on the anime of the same name and the box office hit, the Mugen Train arc, this game's adventure mode lets you relive the most memorable moments and battles. There's also a versus mode where you can choose any combination of two characters to face off. With exhilarating gameplay and a whole bunch of skills and characters from the anime, rise up to become the strongest of the demon slayers. Pre-order Demon Slayer Kometsu no Yaiba The Hinokami Chronicles to unlock two bonus characters and get early access to the game. To pre-order, go to the link in the description. Finally, shout out to Raycon. We can't control the vibes of the world around us, but with a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds, we can at least control the vibes in our heads. Uh, cool Greg's training for a half marathon. He's been getting his run on. He's been working out using his Raycons. He's been loving them. Whether you use them to get hyped, to relax, to work, or work out, Raycons are about to be your new best friends for on-the-go audio. The new everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound even better than ever somehow, and are still half the price of other premium audio brands. Raycons are sure to impress you before you you even turn them on with their new and improved look, feel, and optimized gel tips for flawless in-ear fit. The coolest thing is their new awareness mode for when you need to listen to your surroundings instead of your jams. Right now, Kind of Funny Games daily listeners can get 15% off your first Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash kfgd. That's buyraycon.com slash kfgd to save 15% on Raycons. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash kfgd. And for our final story of the day, Pokemon Legends Arceus won't actually be an open world game. This comes from Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. When Pokemon Legends Arceus was originally revealed, it was described and compared quite a lot to the open world games like Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. While PR and early footage of the game certainly gave the impression of an open world environment that you'd be able to walk from one location to the next, it seems this won't entirely be the case. The Pokemon Company has shared a statement in response to a story on Kotaku, which seems to clarify how how it will be much more like series like Monster Hunter, 
with segmented areas. While it didn't specifically reference that game, it explains how you as the trainer will set out from the village to various open areas of the Hisu region to complete tasks. Here's the statement. Quote, in Pokemon Legends Arceus, Jubilife Village will serve as the base for surveying missions after receiving an assignment or a request and preparing for their next excursion. Players will set out from the village to study one of the various open areas of the region. After they finish the survey work, players will need to return once more to prepare for their next task. We look forward to sharing more information about exploring the region soon. So there you go. It's another kind of open world title some might have been thinking of or drawing comparisons to. This new entry in the series will arrive on Switch on January 28th next year what do you think laura i mean i know a lot of people are really disappointed about this story i'm not um as this is considerably more open considerably more of a open world pokemon game that we've ever had and i think that this is definitely a good test bed for where things can go going forward but there are some real benefits to the sort of incidences uh, and traveling from your main location to other locations kind of setup. I think the biggest one is if you look at games like Monster Hunter, not all of the monsters you will encounter are there straight away. You go back on multiple trips as you progress, as you get further, more difficult stuff gets added. I like the idea of not just being like, right, I'm in the world and all the Pokemon are there straight away, being like, okay, each time I visit this this area, there's going to be new stuff to explore, new stuff to find. Keeping areas interesting. Um, If you compare this to something like Breath of the Wild, my first thought was... Breath of the Wild had a lot of empty space that nothing particularly exciting or new was happening in, and it was great to traverse once, but not necessarily, like, going back and forth across. I think that there is something to having a more condensed, a little bit more condensed, and layering new stuff into the world over time, which you can do a bit more easily with this kind of structure. I I'm very very hesitant about this game. Um, it when it was first announced, I was extremely excited for it because it's, it's exciting that Nintendo is doing it or the Pokemon company yeah. is doing it. Like they're 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 trying to like make it bigger. They're trying to change what a core Pokemon RPG can be. But I feel like the more we see of the game, the the more we hear about it. I kind of get the impression that it is going to kind of be jack of all trades, master of none, and the directions that they're going. I worry aren't going to be as good as the elements that are similar to Breath of the Wild, aren't going to be as good as the elements that are similar to Monster Hunter, aren't even going to be as good as the elements similar to Pokemon, the core games. But I hope that I'm wrong. I mean, I'm hesitantly hopeful. Um, I think I think the big thing that has me excited rather than any other way of feeling about this is that the Pokemon company has spent so many years not doing anything adventurous. And I'm willing to give them a shot. Because if they found a thing that they're like, okay, we're finally willing to break out of our shell and try something new, I have to hope it's because they think they've got a really good idea, and I'm I'm hopeful about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you in, in that I'm hopeful. I and- just have low expectations at this point, especially with the release date so soon. So question there, do you think this hits January 28th? I think this hits January 28th. I think that it it's going to make that, I hope, I think. Um... Each time they've shown it off, it has looked more solid and more polished. Um, I think that the fact that this is instant zones rather than one open world dramatically increases the chance it will actually release on time. Um, That slight reduction in scope is going to make it easier to get it polished and hopefully get the other elements of it right, I think. 
Yeah, but it also will make it even louder of an issue if these small little segmented areas are still empty with nothing to do. I mean, that that is 100% the thing. And I'm hoping that, like, I hope the way this plays out is that specific missions you go on will populate those zones with unique stuff that is set for that mission that make each time you go out to a zone a more authored experience than it would be if it was just a, con- a, a single open world. I still have hope we'll get a full open world one at some point, but like, I'm hoping that this is a decision made to work with the mission structure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I, I really hope that it's good. I will say that I think it's very unlikely that this hits the release date um, yeah. just based on what we've seen so far. And it with uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl coming out in November, like that just seems like I mean, that so is close. The, that is the one thing that has stood out to me this whole time is it seems very odd that they're putting those out so close to each other. I still think that they're doing that because the two have some narrative link. I think that Legends Arceus is going to in some way tie into stuff from Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I think that's why they're trying to put them together, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So the one question I have is, has a Pokemon game ever been delayed? Because I don't think so. I know that there were, back in the day, Japan would get them way earlier than the rest of the world, but at some point they switched to day and date. Um, and I think that's been consistent over time, but I don't I don't think that there's been a a delay i just think that we're in unprecedented times with corona and all that and also just nintendo's strategy right now like they they seem to be in a different place than they were uh, a couple of years ago so i think that they might not necessarily want to throw out everything that close to yeah. to itself but I don't know. having having done a quick look it doesn't look like any pokemon like main pokemon game has ever been delayed um i feel like if they had any nerves that it wouldn't make its release date, I don't think they'd have announced its release date that far out. Mm -hmm. The Pokemon Company usually waits till quite close to announce release dates, and the fact that they announced it a year out to me feels like they're very confident in it. Yeah. Well, January 28th is so far away. If I want to know what was coming to Mom and Grub Shops today, where would I look? You'd go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kinda Funny Games daily show hosts each and every weekday. Just about got it out. You nailed it. You nailed it. I don't know if Kev's... Kev, are you playing the song Wait, or not? No, hold on. Sorry. Some, some <laughs> things came up on the back end. Beep. There we go. Yeah. Oh, today we got Monster Crown on the PlayStation 4. Xbox One, Switch, and PC. We got Disco Elysium, the final cut on Xbox X and S, Xbox One, and Switch. Uh, We got a memoir, Blue, on Xbox One. And we got Back for Blood on PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, and PC. Like I said, we will be doing a stream for that uh, very shortly after our Scream live trailer reaction that we're about to do after this show. Um, New dates for you. Uh, we got the spookiest of seasons upon us. And Destiny 2 is kicking off a few weeks of frights and chills with its annual Festival of the Lost Halloween event. Festival of the Lost will be available for free to all Destiny 2 players and will run from October 12th until November 2nd. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. Maybe you'll play it with Fran Mirabella. Uh, some deals of the day. Kev, if you could bring up this tweet, that would be really cool. 
Uh, this this actually came out yesterday, but I wanted to put it in here just so we can show it off. Uh, you have a chance to win Nickelodeon Xbox Series X's brought to you by Nickelodeon. Uh, there's a SpongeBob one and a Leonardo one, the, the Ninja Turtle, uh, from Nickelodeon's All-Star Brawl. Kev, you there? Yep, yep. It's uh, Give me one second. I'm pulling it up right now. Turn that off. Switch. Bam. Boom. There you go. You can check Damn, them out. They're very, very fun designs. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, the SpongeBob go. one makes sense. Yeah, the Ninja Turtle one, yeah. it's like it's a weird licensing yeah. thing, but eh, that's where we're at in this world. Uh, but you can go to Xbox's Twitter to, to try to, to win these, which is kind of fun. Uh, and then next up, a new segment we're adding to the show, partnering with NVIDIA GeForce. We're going to be doing a ton of streams over the next couple months, including the Back for Blood one uh, that we're about to do today, showing off all the cool RTX tech, the DLSS stuff, the ray tracing, you know, all the things that Andy won't stop talking about. Very exciting stuff. Uh, so we're going to be highlighting some of the cool implementations of the tech in some new games uh highlighting cool implementations of ray tracing in nvidia dlss is a groundbreaking ai rendering technology that increases graphics performance and boosts frame rates while delivering image quality comparable to native revolution it is absolutely insane stuff as you can see here uh, with 10 more dlss games coming this october nvidia dlss is now accelerating performance with uncompromised image quality in 120 games and apps including today's release of back for blood and this i wanted to get the numbers right here because some of this stuff is insane nvidia dlss will boost performance by up to 46 percent deliver delivering crisp image quality and enabling virtually every geforce rtx gamer to max out back for blood's graphics at 4k 60 frames per second uh this october also sees the launch of nvidia dlss in a bunch of other games including kev if you could bring up crisis remastered trilogy Following the release of Crisis Remastered last year, which featured both NVIDIA DLSS and ray tracing, launching October 15th, all three Crisis Remastered games feature NVIDIA DLSS and ray traced reflections, along with enhanced textures, models, lighting, and environments, giving PC gamers the definitive Crisis experience. Crisis was always one of those games that like was pushing the tech mm -hmm. abilities of video games, so it being updated with all this new stuff is really exciting. Uh, next up, we got... Chivalry 2, uh, Torn Banner Studios Chivalry 2 is a 64-player PvP melee slasher multiplayer title, and on October 26, it will introduce NVIDIA DLSS in a new update, boosting performance by up to 45%, enabling all GeForce RTX gamers to play at 4K at over 60 FPS with max settings enabled. Uh, next up, we got Sword and Fairy 7. I have not heard about this, but looking at the trailer, I'm like, damn. This is one pretty video game. Sword and Fairy is a long-running Chinese RPG franchise that spawned TV shows, stage plays, and over a dozen spin-offs like games and toys. The franchise's latest mainline title, Sword and Fairy 7, launches on October 21st with Ray Trace Reflections, Ray Trace Shadows, Ray Trace Caustics, Ray Traced Ambient Occlusion, and this is a crazy thing I'm about to say. Spatio-temporal importance resampling for many light ray tracing, a.k.a. R-E-S-T-I-R, -E global illumination lighting. When maxing out your experience with all the ray trace goodness, you can activate 
NVIDIA's DLSS to more than double the performance. I love that these things can work in tandem to make games just look fantastic and run better. Uh, and then the last two I want to talk about, Fist Forged in Shadow Torch, uh, which boasts ray tracing, DLSS, and Reflex with everything enabled and maxed out. Fist graphics feature ray trace reflections, global illumination lighting, and caustics. System latency is minimized with NVIDIA Reflex for a more responsive experience, and DLSS accelerates performance by three whole times, as you can see here with the frames per second. And finally, Alan Wake Remastered, Remedy Entertainment's remaster of Alan Wake, their 2010 hit, launched earlier this month with NVIDIA DLSS, which accelerates performance by up to two times at 4K. So yeah, really cool to see all this tech work together and to make new games look great and make old games look even better than they used to. So definitely go check it out. We're going to be doing this segment every once in a while when they, they got some new fun updates uh, for key titles and stuff. So yeah, there you go. Uh, now... It is time to squad up. This is where you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and write in to squad up with the gamers out there. Uh, Jackson, a.k.a. Theastor on Xbox and PS. That is T-H-I-A-S-T-O-R as his gamer tag and PSN name. Posted recently on the Reddit announcing my return to the Xbox ecosystem. I haven't owned on uh, owned one since the original Xbox with the Duke controller, meaning I have no friends. I'm in Australia at work nights, but add me wherever you are and help me fill up my friends list. Also, add me on PlayStation as well, so I have more best friends to play with. Go help Jackson make some friends, play some games. The Astor on Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, next up, we got the You're Wrong section where you can correct us as we screw things up. Nanobiologist writes in saying Fortnite has forced people to care for Jonesy. He's been the person tying together seasons mm -hmm. with some overarching story. There was also a big push for Jonesy being smashed. Oh yeah, there was. I do remember that being a thing. Yeah, and hey, it didn't happen because yeah. we got Sora, baby. Woo! Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it. Uh, tomorrow's host, we got Blessing and Andy on Kind of Funny Games Daily. Then Thursday, we got me and Tam. For Tim Tam Thursdays and then Friday we got Blessing and Janet Laura thank you so very very much for joining us today uh, one more time pimp out where people can find you and where they can help support your book you can find me everywhere at Laura K Buzz be that on Twitter Twitch YouTube all those sort of places but the big thing I'm doing at the moment is uh, I'm making a book it's called Who Hunts the Whale it's available for pre-order on Unbound it is a fictional novel definitely fictional and not based on anything in the real world right now, about an abusive AAA video game development company and the experience of existing within one of those companies. Uh, it's called Who Hunts the Whale? Go check it out on Unbound. Very, very exciting stuff. Laura, thank you so much for joining me. Kevin, thank you for being who you are. And until next time, I love you all. Goodbye. <laughs>